0: Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year. And with the Happy New Year wishes away, the holiday seasons are officially over. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad. Uh, You know, it was fun. It was kind of relaxing, I guess. But I'm happy to resume a normal schedule again This is our episode, I believe, number 225 or 226. I lost count. I apologize. And we are a daily show. And, you know, starting in November with Thanksgiving, we came up against the holidays where I took extended weekends. But it really messes up with your rhythm. I got into a rhythm uh, for seven months doing this show every day. And these extended breaks and coming back, it really screws you up. But anyway, that being told, I'm happy to be back with you guys to resume our great chats. I missed all you guys. Like I said, I hope everyone had a great holidays, uh, you know, and a happy new year. We are in the year 2021 and it started off with a bang. Let's see how the rest of the year goes. I want to welcome some of our viewers who are watching tonight. Of course, we have our moderators on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Twitch, and that is Saz. On YouTube, we have Khaleesi. Uh, let's see. We have Singer Chick who's joining us. Sammy is with us on Facebook, as is Philip Colette, Iraqi Monster is with us on YouTube. I want to welcome you to our YouTube show. Jason is also with us. Jesse is with us on Facebook, as is Colette and Lindsay. On the Instagram side, we have Jaws, Mary61Mom. Welcome, Mary61Mom. It's good to see you back on the broadcast. We have Doris giving us a smiley love face, surreal. Welcome. Welcome to all you guys. So, it's good to be back. It's good to get back into the groove of a normal schedule again and let's just get things kick started. uh a word of note as you guys know from the last couple of weeks uh we are using our full screen real estate now we are live streaming to five simultaneous uh we are simultaneously streaming to five different networks youtube instagram facebook twitch and twitter and of course instagram i mentioned it before is the oddball out during the live only broadcasts. It doesn't allow you guys to flip your mobile devices on the side to enjoy the few the full viewing area that everyone else gets to enjoy. Now this only applies to the live broadcasts. When I archive the show afterwards and post it on Instagram, it is an IGTV uh, viewing, and at that point you are able to flip. Your mobile device over and enjoy the full uh, broadcast. Anyway, with that being said, we got a new uh, video submission over the extended break from uh, TB Edits. It's a Daryl Dixon tribute on The Walking Dead. It's awesome. I'm going to utilize the whole screen for you guys to enjoy this video. It's been posted now for two days or so throughout our entire social media networks. Uh, For those of you who have seen it, it's definitely worth watching again. For those of you who have not watched it yet, you're going to watch it right now. So check it out. Don't you come back no more. Hit the road, Jack And don't you come back no more, no more No more, no more, no more Hit the road, Jack And don't you come back no more Don't you come back no more I... I know us Don't you come back no more don't you no more. You're leaving right now Oh, I may be the one walking away. You're the one that's leaving. again. Yeah. there you guys have it another great great video by tb edits uh how can you go wrong with daryl dixon i think every every boy growing up uh if god forbid if the uh, zombie apocalypse happens which it's not but any kind of apocalyptic event happens you're like that's who i want to be i want to be just like daryl dixon because the man can definitely kick some ass all right he doesn't say much doesn't need to say much leads totally by example But Norman Reedus, man, hats off to Norman Reedus, who plays a badass Daryl Dixon. And to think that this is a character that was never in The Walking Dead comic books, it was strictly created just for the TV show, one of the best decisions that the producers of The Walking Dead have ever made, going all the way to the beginning of the show. Anyway, moving on. Uh, We have a a guest announcement. It is the beginning of the new year. We have reached out to a lot of guests and we're going to start getting confirmations and dates. uh, A lot of them coming in in the days to come. We are very, very excited to announce that uh, Barbara Crampton, uh, who is one of the modern day screen queens, has appeared in a ton of horror movies is going to be our guest right here on Dead Talk Live on January 12th. A lot of you are probably asking, well, who's Barbara Crampton? So I brought up her IMDb page, and this is Barbara Crampton, okay? And just to show you some of her credits, she has been in a ton of horror movies, okay? Uh, She's really best known for the movie Reanimator. Uh, and just going through, uh, her list of projects here, Channel Zero, Puppet Master, House Mother, Dead Night, Death House, Day of Reckoning, Beyond the Gates, Blood Brothers, Road Games, Tales of Halloween, sorry, excuse me, Tales of Halloween, it just goes on and on and on. She is really known. Uh, what really brought her to the spotlight was the movie Reanimator. Uh, great movie. I don't know how many of you guys have watched it or not. If you haven't, I definitely recommend that you go back and watch that one. That is a must-watch. It's sort of like a uh, modern-day Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, but instead of using electricity to bring his monster to life, he uses uh, pharmacology. Uh, So you can kind of call it a zombie movie. He does bring dead things back to life, but great movie. That's what really put her into the spotlight, and she has been in a ton of horror movies. Anyway, Barbara Crampton will be our special guest right here on Dead Talk Live on January 12th. We just got the confirmation really just minutes before we went live tonight. So I haven't had a chance to update our website, but I will be doing so after tonight's show. And about the website, guys, please go and visit it, deadtalklive.com. You will see all of our upcoming and past guests, view any prior episodes, any episodes with special guests that you might have missed, and get everything. All our contact information and everything you need to find out about this show is on our website, DeadTalkLive.com. So anyway, let's go ahead and get started with uh, some news. And before we go on with the news, I just want to say that the reaction to that Daryl Dixon video, as I was watching your guys' comments come in, you guys really, really loved it. And it's an awesome video. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So let's move on to some news. All right, let's see what we got on tab for tonight. So Robert Patrick, we mentioned this uh, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, Robert Patrick. If you guys don't know who Robert Patrick is, this is him right here. He really jumped it to start him when he starred in Terminator Two. He was the Liquid Man Terminator in Terminator Two, that badass Terminator who. I don't think ever since him, they have come up with a better uh, antagonistic Terminator than this guy right here. Just the ability to mimic anything he touches, uh, liquid metal. It's, uh, you know, the Terminators that have come after him have come nowhere close to being as badass as uh, Robert Patrick's Terminator in the movie Terminator 2. Anyway, he is joining the cast for at least one episode of The Walking Dead. And it's going to be one of the six bonus episodes that we are going to get at the end of next month. So let's see what the article says. When The Walking Dead returns in February to air six new episodes extending season 10... It's with Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Scorpion's Robert Patrick in a guest-starring role. And that's a little disappointing. Robert Patrick is an amazing actor, and I would love to have had him on the show for more than just one episode. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and I love the fact that we are going to get to see him in the Walking Dead universe, even if it is for only one episode. Patrick joins the zombie drama with incoming guest stars Okea Akwari as Elijah. Elijah is the masked ninja person that we saw in the finale, uh, the metal mask fighter that was seen with Maggie. Hilary uh, Burton Morgan uh, will be playing Lucille, uh, the cancer-stricken wife of Negan, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And for those of you that don't know, Hillary Burton is Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real-life wife as well. And the newly revealed Lynn Collins as Leah. Some of these series newcomers will join the cast, heading into Season 11 of The Walking Dead. Ooh, I really hope Robert Patrick is one of them. The 24-episode final season, which will span over two years... 12 episodes at the end of 2021, and then the final 12 will be at the end of 2022. Patrick plays Maze, an original character described as a rough-looking survivor who encounters a semi-drunk Father Gabriel. All right, I guess Father Gabriel has started hitting the booze. Um, and Aaron in episode 19, which is called One More. The three actors participated in a virtual table read released ahead of the episode's March 14th premiere. In the scene set in a warehouse store, May confronts Gabriel about his clerical collar and asks why he still wears it a decade into the apocalypse. Gabriel answers, probably for the same reason you keep a room full of Bibles. It's a light in an otherwise very dark world and a reminder of the goodness still within us. Things like love, mercy, and forgiveness. The pile of discarded Bibles is toilet paper, Maze explains, I like the thin pages and I can find them everywhere. So that's why he has Bibles. Taking the sight in stride, Gabriel retorts, Maybe instead of wiping your ass with it, you should read it. Oh, I've read it cover to cover. That's why I wipe my ass with it, May says with a smirk. It must be a hard preach it must be hard. Preaching about something you don't believe in, when Gabriel insists he is a believer, Maze tells him, with a world wariness, evil people aren't the exception to the rule. They are the rule. There's nothing left in this world but thieves and murderers. So, you know, we can obviously tell that his character is a little bit cynical, uh there's still goodness, Gabriel responds, if you look for it. Maze leans in, presses him, Well, who you who are you trying to convince, father? Me or you? As to explain what that means, May smiles and the scene ends. That's the kind of actor and character uh Robert Patrick is, and that's what makes that so damn exciting. In the episode from director Laura Be- uh, Be- Sorry, Belsley, season 9 episode called The Calm Before, and writers Eric Mountain and Jim Barnes, uh, season 10 episode A Certain Doom, which was the season 10 finale, Gabriel and Aaron search for food and supplies to bring back to Alexandria. Small tragedies lead to a bigger tragedy, as faith is broken and optimism is fragmented when they are put to the ultimate test. So, you know, it's The Walking Dead, guys. There are no happy endings in The Walking Dead universe. But anyway, these six episodes, as we read more about them and we see these table reads, they look like they're all going to be really amazing episodes. Personally, I'm looking forward to the sixth one. Uh, where we get to see Lucille, and we finally get to see Negan's backstory on the screen. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, Let's see, Rowena is joining us on Facebook. Welcome. Uh, Who is saying February is coming soon. The Walking Dead, so excited. Uh, Andrew is joining us tonight on YouTube. Welcome, Andrew. On uh, the Instagram side, we have Dan's The Walking Dead reviews with us. Isabelle is with us. Uh, Maria's is giving us a thumbs up on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. So the next thing that we have is, now check this out. The most underrated horror movies of 2020. So let's go through this list. And what I find particularly interesting about this list is that, if you scroll down here, number 10 is The Dark and the Wicked. Now, they've put it in the most underrated horror movies of 2020. This is an excellent movie. It starred one of our guests, uh, Michael Abbott Jr., who is a guest of ours right here on Dead Talk Live. He's he's the co-star of the movie, with him, Marin Ireland, and as well as Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley, if you guys don't know, uh, played Gregory on The Walking Dead. This is a fantastic movie. And it's funny that this uh, screen rant puts it in one of the most underrated movies of 2020, while uh, Dread Central put it as one of the top movies of 2020. Either way, This movie is great. Uh, It's available either to rent or buy on any streaming service that you guys prefer. Uh, It's not available for free yet, like on Netflix, Hulu, or any of the other services, but it is available to rent or buy on Vudu, Fandango Now, Amazon Prime, and so on. So anyway, it goes on to say, Brian Bertino's The Dark and the Wicked is a master class in subtly and storytelling. Throughout his career, Bertino has been all over the maps in terms of where he dabbles in the horror space. From the blood-curdling chills of home invasion thriller The Strangers to the thematic and cerebral The Monster, Bertino knows how to deliver and speak directly to his audience. In The Dark and the Wicked, the director highlights his savvy with smart horror tropes, restraint when necessary, and proves himself capable of delivering one of the best supernatural horror movies of the year, if not the last few years. While The Dark and the Wicked has gotten largely positive reviews from critics and is well-liked among horror fans, The movie would have benefited from a theatrical release in a year where people could go to the movies. Also, it would have been likely it would have likely been talk of the film festival circuits as its world premiere was intended to be at the Tribeca Film Festival, which was canceled because of COVID. Now that's true. I agree with what they're saying there uh movies that get released to the theater get a hell of a lot more marketing behind them and that's where i've said this before i'll say it again that's where these movie studios are going to have to adapt uh they spare no expense in advertising commercials about upcoming movies that are being hit into the theaters they're going to have to redirect that money and not let great movies like The Dark and the Wicked go unnoticed because they're like, oh, it's not being released in the theater. Why waste the money? No, that's crap. That's where their mindset has to change moving forward. We don't know what the future is going to be like uh, in regards to the movie theater. We don't know if the old way of going to the movies is ever going to come back. And if it does come back, I really doubt it's going to be the same as it was before. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. These movie studios are going to have to adjust how they do things. And one thing is they're advertising uh, to new movies. There have been a lot of great movies that I have watched in this past year on Hulu, Netflix. Amazon, you name it, that I never heard of. And that's because they don't advertise them. You don't get to see commercials about them. Unless you specifically go on YouTube and search for a trailer, uh, you're never going to hear about it. Nowhere. So, anyway, that's, that's something they're going to have to come to a decision about. No- next on the list is uh, Nocturne. Blumhouse Productions, Welcome to the Blumhouse, which debuted on Amazon Prime in October 2020. Now, Welcome to the Blumhouse is not a movie. It's sort of... I'm trying to find the right words to explain it. But if you go to Amazon Prime, uh, especially uh, if you go to Shudder, if you're a subscriber to Shudder, you're going to see a whole list of movies that have Welcome to the Blumhouse in the beginning of their titles. I'm not even quite sure how to explain it. Uh, Blumhouse, owned by Jason Blum, is a production company. It's a huge production company that produces movies. But I don't know how to properly explain what Welcome to the Blumhouse is. I'm still trying to figure it out, and they haven't really given us a clear explanation, but basically, the easiest way I can describe it, Welcome to Blumhouse, is just a Blumhouse production. Why they put Welcome to the Blumhouse in front of the titles, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. It doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense to me, anyway. Uh, let's see, uh, you know, debuted in October 2020 was a series of feature-length movies that function as an anthology series and is modeled after Blumhouse's holiday-themed collaboration with Hulu. That still doesn't explain it. Uh, Into the Dark. However, the entire lineup of movies that released under the Welcome to the Blumhouse series went completely overlooked. Nocturne, ...from director Zook, Quirk ...was arguably the best... ...within the series. It's a shame... ...that it's lack of audience... ...can be directly attributed... ...to an unsuccessful... ...anthology series. And this is a movie... ...that I never heard about. I've never heard of Nocturne. The reason why I've heard... ...of the movie before this... ...that we talked about... ...The Dark and the Wicked... ...is because we had the star of the movie as a guest on our show before the movie debuted in early November. Uh, He was a guest on our show because he was the co-star in the season six premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. And at the end of the interview, I asked him some questions about this upcoming movie that he has coming out called The Dark and the Wicked and uh, because it hadn't come out yet. Anyway, it goes on to say that Welcome to the Blumhouse released during the height of the Halloween holiday, when numerous other titles were vying for audience interaction on numerous streaming platforms. However, Nocturne is one that shouldn't be missed. It's an honest attempt at making Gialio movies made famous by iconic director Dario Argento, there's a name that if you guys are into zombie movies, you definitely know who Dario Argento is. Uh, palatable to modern audience who are otherwise unfamiliar with the subgenre. A standout performance by Sidney Sweeney is, uh, also adds to the numerous reasons to check out Nocturne which doesn't deserve its underrated status at all. Uh, Next on the list is Deep Blue C3. Shark movies. Not a big fan of shark movies. Um, It just doesn't scare me. You know, there are some good ones out there, uh, but overall, not a big uh, fan. And this is a continuation of the first movie, Deep Blue. Uh, which was pretty good. Uh, once you, Now, this is the third movie. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I won't. It all depends. Now, The Craft Legacy. This is another uh, reboot from the original movie, which came out back in the 90s, called The Craft. While nowhere near the best horror movie of the year... The Craft Legacy isn't a great movie or even a really good movie, but it leans on nostalgia, which actually works. For fans of the 1996 The Craft, which was a very good movie, this unceremoniously released update should appeal for two reasons. It provides diversity in areas that the original desperately needed, but wasn't savvy enough to tackle in the mid-90s for obvious reasons, and it creates a clear formula with how the franchise can continue and connect to the original characters from the first movie. Philip Thompson writes, The Craft was a good movie, puts me in mind of Charmed. That's a good comparison right there uh cc wheezy on youtube writes i've seen this one the craft it's decent uh colette on facebook writes jaws was good but not really horror i absolutely agree with you colette i love jaws it's a great movie uh loved it but i would not call it a horror movie i'm sorry it never scared me doesn't mean it's not a great movie Uh, But I would not call Jaws a horror movie. Apparently, when it came out, uh, it scared the crap out of a lot of people. And a lot of people refused to go back into the water after watching Jaws when it first came out. But for me, it's just a great movie. I would call it more of a drama than anything else. Uh, Drama, maybe a thriller. But horror, no. No, It just I never saw it as a horror movie. Next on the list is Gretel and Hansel, normally Hansel and Gretel. They reversed it. From director Oz Perkins, Gretel and Hansel is a moody, atmospheric, dark folk tale ripped from the Brother's grim classic. the already chilling tale of a cannibalistic witch attempted to capitalize on the risk of, uh, sorry, of rising folklore, horror trend, drawing from movies like Midsomar and The Witch to create its own identity. Rising star Sophia Lillis, who is familiar to horror audiences as the young Beverly Marsh in uh, Andy Muschietti's It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2, is certainly one to watch. Her performance as Gretel does not disappoint, The movie's release in January 2020, albeit a theatrical release, likely hurt it from a greater success as January and February are known to be the slowest times of the year for movie theaters. These dump months, that's what they call them in quotes, dump months, are often where obscure titles for major studios are placed but can still offer some of the best movies in a given year. While Gretel and Hansel doesn't qualify as one of the best, it did deserve some well-deserved accolades when audiences discovered on Video On Demand toward the middle of 2020. Maybe I'll check that one out. Uh, You see, these movies, I've never heard of them. Uh, Never heard of this one either. Random Acts of Violence. Director Jay Barchel's Random Acts of Violence ended up getting its release on Shudder's streaming platform, making it an unexpected exclusive for their subscribers. As such, it ended up being missed by audiences who would have likely sought it out in theaters. Random Acts of Violence boasted the familiar faces of Jesse Williams, and Jordana Brewster, along with Baruchel himself, who is known for his comedy and roles in How to Train Your Dragon movies. The movie also delivered ultra-violent slasher movie sensibilities that are usually well-liked among horror genre fans. While the movie did receive very mixed reviews from critics, this doesn't necessarily always translate to audience reception, especially with gritty, violent horror flicks like random acts of violence. The very title speaks to what the movie's all about, and there's built in appeal. With greater accessibility, this movie would have gotten a lot more praise than it did, all of which is deserved. All right. The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Oh my God, never heard of this one. But just by the title name, it just seems like one of those B-type horror flicks. Let's see what they say. Ah, it's from McG. The sequel to McG's sleeper horror comedy hit, The Babysitter, Netflix heralded in the triumphant return of the budding franchise, The Babysitter, Killer Queen. I'm sorry but that title makes me giggle. While the return of Star Samara Weaving was kept very tightly under wraps, her reemergence as B in a surprising cameo was only one of the many things to like about this underrated gem. The babysitter too suffered from sticking the landing just a little too hard and drawing a finer line between bloody gore and dismemberment with side-splitting comedy from zippy one-liners and characters that are caricatures of beloved horror tropes. And if you're going to do a horror comedy, I tell you, that is probably one of the trickiest uh, types of films to pull off. Uh, Zombieland, great example of a great one. Uh, just not that many good ones. They're very hard to make. You have to maintain a very fine line between the horror part and the comedy to really make a good horror slash comedy movie. Because you got to remember, these are two genres on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And to put them together, it's just very, very tricky to do. Uh, Lindsay writes on Facebook, there are some good horror movies on this list. Some of them I have heard of and some of them I have not. Uh, underwater, I have heard of this one. Underwater found its audience uh, later in the year and ended up being celebrated as an, aqu- as an aquatic horror gem at a time when interest in Lovecraftian horror was at a decades-long high. However, during its initial release in January, the movie was overlooked. Though lead actress Kirsten Stewart was a draw for some, the murky premise and past holiday lull didn't get people excited enough to leave their homes during the chilling winter months. The news about the monster and the movie's ending being confirmed at Cthulhu earned underwater some additional excitement and interest from Lovecraft fans. They're talking about H.P. Lovecraft. But after it started releasing on various streaming platforms towards the end of 2020, other fans that would have been the movie's audience had it released in July, started seeing it for what it is, an intense atmospheric thrill ride that aquatic horror fans sci-fi horror fans and lovecraft fans can all enjoy together all right the grudge this was a good movie uh i love this movie 2020's the grudge remake got scathing reviews but it did not deserve them i totally agree with that sentence Another early theatrical release, The Grudge put a bad taste in a lot of audiences' mouths and gave the early impression that it wasn't going to be a good year on horror. However, on a second watch, or even a first watch, for those familiar with the franchise, the movie's R-rated approach actually makes sense. Supernatural horror movies are largely bloodless affairs and you know what i hate when they call them supernatural horror movies i much prefer the term paranormal uh supernatural i don't know from i don't know maybe it's just me supernatural versus paranormal a lot of people are asking what the what's what's the difference there really isn't no difference but for me it's a matter of legitimacy Calling a movie supernatural uh, as opposed to paranormal kind of falls in the, the area of whether you believe in the paranormal or not. I am a believer in the paranormal. Uh, not ashamed to say it. I believe there are things we don't know about after we die. When you call a movie supernatural, it sort of puts it in the complete fiction category. That's why, probably, I don't like paranormal movies being called supernatural. Anyway, I digress. Uh, there are bloodless affairs and rely more on creepy imagery and jump scares to give the audience chills. That is why, for the most part, they are traditionally rated PG-13. The blood and gore isn't missing from these movies, so the rating doesn't feel toned down however nicholas pesci's r-rated to De grudge delivered the gore the body horror and also struck sorry stuck to the franchise's traditions if anything it upped the stakes for where the franchise could go by applying a more modern american horror approach bloody is better if anything, The Grudge deserves a second chance because it made the supernatural and paranormal horror subgenre. Now, wait a minute. Check it out. Check, let me reread that. Because it made the supernatural and paranormal horror subgenre, which is starting to feel stale and overdone, more interesting by spilling some extra blood. So they are dividing supernatural movies and paranormal movies. I would love for the writer of this article to explain the reasoning or what's the difference, in his mind, between supernatural movies and paranormal movies. Um, Let's see. uh, Khaleesi says, I believe in the paranormal as well, as does Colette. Uh, Believe it or not, Uh, There was a survey done, not just in the United States, but like a global type survey, and more than 60% of uh, the people uh, living today uh, openly admit that they believe in the paranormal. So that's way more than half of the world's population believing and giving it a chance and being open-minded enough to say, hey... We don't know everything. And uh, go back 20, 30 years ago, if you were to admit that, you would flat out be called crazy because it just wasn't something that you would say in public. Anyway, moving on. Number one on the list is The Hunt, another Blumhouse. Blumhouse's The Hunt wasn't supposed to be a 2020 release at all. It was originally intended to release in 2019, but got delayed due to tragedy. The Hunt was also marked by controversy and not due to the depiction of gun violence, which was what caused the movie to be delayed in the first place in the wake of the Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas mass shootings. The controversy surrounding the hunt was political as the trailers and promotional material surrounding the movie made it seem like it was about people who were liberals hunting deplorables. That's, that's just damn stupid. Uh, however, upon its release in March 2020, audiences found it plenty to like about the hunt. And I hate when they try to mix politics into movies. I really, really do. The reason why we watch movies is to get away from politics. That's that's why I watch movies. If I want to watch about politics, I'll turn on cable news. Uh, Khaleesi writes, love the hunt. Um, uh, Singer Chick writes, My favorite saying, you know nothing, Jon Snow. A little Game of Thrones reference right there. Lindsay Sparks writes, When I think of Supernatural, I think of the TV show. And yes, I am a believer as well. Want to welcome Britannia on Instagram. Uh, welcome, Britannia. Uh, Durango is also waving at us on Instagram. Deep is also waving. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. It's great to have you with us. So let me check out. Damn, we're 45 minutes into this show already. So what I want to do, since the time is just flying by tonight, tonight's topic is really about the evolution of um, television shows from the mid to late 80s to where we are today. In regards to gore. And the amount of violence that has become totally acceptable, not only on cable networks now, but on uh, regular networks such as NBC and CBS and ABC and Fox and so on. So I put together some clips, uh, you know, starting with the late 80s from shows like Tales from the Crypt all the way up through the present day to mark how gore depicted on television has dramatically changed. So let's go ahead and watch this, and we'll talk through it as we watch it. So let me go ahead and bring up the first one. The uh, And here we go. So this is Tales from the Crypt, premiered in 1989. Now, this was hardcore stuff. Besides, tell, Tales from the Crypt was just scary. Considered cutting edge for its time. Those are zombies. That's right. There were zombies being shown on TV back in the 80s. Horror movies insist on standing in front of especially when there's a mad stalker on the loose. All right, Freddy's Nightmares. Now, Freddy's Nightmares, let me pause it real quick. Uh, you know, the Freddy Krueger Nightmare and Elm Street movies were very successful. They decided to do a TV show uh, called Freddy's Nightmares, Robert England. Who played Freddy Krueger came on for the TV show. It just wasn't very successful. It didn't last very long. But here are some clips from Freddy's Nightmares. Freddy's home. (laughs) It's a little cheesy. But Freddy Krueger was a bastard. He was a pedophile in life, burned by the parents of the abused children that he abused, and he came back after death to haunt and kill all their children in their dreams. C.C. Weezy writes the Crypt Keeper was the guy With that laugh, he was everything. I love the Chris (laughs) people. Yeah, so as you can see, there was a bit cheesy factor in the uh, Freddy T V series. Didn't do very well, didn't last very long. I think part of the reason why we're so unsuccessful is because of how they try to make Freddy Krueger a little bit more human and that just did not work out. That was, um, you gotta remember, this is now the early 90s, and this was, like, hardcore stuff back the game's then. Gotta end. Ah! Robert Englund is awesome. I love Robert Englund. He's an amazing guy. Amazing actor. He was amazing as Freddy. A perfectly good sweater. I don't know if you guys remember, but the first time I ever saw Robert Englund, was in a, a TV miniseries called v. It was you on the phone machine with the phone. He played Willie. I don't know if show. any of you guys remember Willie from the T V miniseries V, the I original one that came out in the eighties. <laughs> but it's not that easy. I already taped the promo. It was a miniseries that and then turned into a regular T V series. It was actually we'll revived uh, <laughs> about seven years ago. It lasted about two seasons and then it was canceled. Alright, CC Weezy remembers V. There's something for you, huh? Vitania writes, yep, he was a lovable alien. Exactly. How can you not love Willie? Willie from V. I'm glad you you guys watched him I know. All right, now this is actually a pretty good show, Ghost Stories. It premiered in the late 90s. To a place of wondrous contradictions. A place that is silent and unstirring, yet restless and alive. A place of untold peace and boundless dread. Come with me into the very cradle of darkness, where those who dwell, dwell alone. Ghost Stories. An anthology show, it was scary, Their souls not very can bloody. can only be stilled by exacting retribution. Not a bloody show. It was more of the thriller, shock factor twist to every ending. Surprised or not that it didn't green, last longer. Vengeance is a dish served cold. This is an example of one of the twist endings right there, in Ghost Stories. Did you find my picture? Yes. Uh, uh, No, I, I mean, it's not you, Eric. What's going on? Now I want you to find my marshmallow stick. Marshmallow stick? What's a marshmallow stick? It's the big pointy thing, right by the fireplace. A poker? Eric, I don't think that's something you should play with. I'm not gonna play with it, Danny. Why don't you have me find something else? I don't want anything else. I'm not going to bring you the poker. Collat brings I up Salem's Lot. That, yes. that, yeah, that was a no. good show, yes. I said no! It's my game. My rules! Okay, so I gotta pause it right here. In 2010, The Walking Dead premiered. And it took Frank Darabont, who is the one that brought The Walking Dead to TV, five years of getting rejected, by network after network, NBC, HBO, before the show finally landed on AMC. And the reason um, a lot of networks uh, were not eager to pick up The Walking Dead because it took TV to a place that it has never been to before. And I want this first clip right here is the scene in the pilot to which Darabont uh, showed to various networks that rejected the show that really made them shy away from it. You would never guess which scene, but check it out. horse. A horse scene. They did not like having a horse devoured on television. They wanted to cut that out. Uh, Darabont would not give in. Like I said, AMC made the best decision. They have to date they picked it up uh even then they were still a little tentative on how it was going to be received and that's why there's only six episodes in the first season of the walking dead but we all know what happened after that not only was it a hit it really revolution revolutionized horror as the way it was being displayed on tv and then came shows like this hannibal which premiered in 2013 on NBC, which was one of the original networks that rejected The Walking Dead. And they try to take it even beyond uh, the limits that The Walking Dead pushed in regards, in regards to blood, guts, and gore. And here's a, an example of such a scene. Watch another piece how about you that's a good girl shit shit nice i adopted some dogs from the shelter two dogs that were friends i had he is butchering his own face <laughs> just me <laughs> that's mason <laughs> Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> i loved hannibal as well an shit. amazing show shit. hell you're yeah. all be doing that so now back to the walking dead and so you see a little back and forth going on okay the walking dead was the show that revolutionized horror tv a lot of other shows came out try to even push the boundaries even more and the walking dead fought back and they tried to push the boundaries even more and this was the episode that fans said okay this is a little too far this episode right here, Season 7, Episode 1, Abraham, Glenn's death, is where fans really reacted negatively to the limits that Walking Dead pushed. Here we go. Oh, look at that! This is Abraham's death. My... That was Adlib by Michael Cudlitz. Suck my nuts. Now back to Hannibal. They're like, okay. We'll take it to this level. Powder on the wound. A cello being shoved down a man's throat. That's right, a cello. I wanted to play him. I wanted to create a sound. My sound. Hannibal was such a great show. So dark. And that's it. Uh, I actually wanted to put in Noah's death, uh, but YouTube wouldn't allow it. I always test out my videos because I don't want Dead Talk Live to be restricted in audiences. And uh, I added Noah's death to the end of that clip. And it totally restricted it to, you know, the majority of the countries. So I had to take it out. But for all of you guys that watch The Walking Dead, uh, in my opinion, Noah suffered one of the most gruesome deaths at the hands of zombies on The Walking Dead. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Visit our website, deadtalklive.com. We simultaneously stream every night to five different networks. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow. Please stay safe, and as always, stay walking.